Good morning. This morning we're concluding our stewardship emphasis, our series on giving. And so if you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll also be looking at a little bit in chapter 9 also. The series is called, entitled Generous Life. And this morning we're going to be talking the blessings that God gives us. There's these two guys. And they were marooned on a deserted island. And one of the guys, he was, he was very upset, he was scared, and he was pacing back and forth. He looked at the other guy, and the other guy was just laying back sunning himself. The guy said, man, aren't you scared? We're going to die on this island. The guy said, nope, I'm not scared at all. You see, I make $100,000 a week, and I faithfully tithe weekly to my church. My church is going to find me. Those are these three guys, and they were deciding on how they give to God, and, and they were debating each other, and the, the first guy says, well, this is what I do. He says, what I do is I take my paycheck, and I take it to the bank, and I get it cashed. And then I, then I take it, and I draw a circle around me. I throw all my money up in the air. Whatever lands inside the circle, I keep. Whatever goes on the outside of the circle, I give to God. That's why I do something very similar. He says, what I do is I take my check, I get it cashed, I draw a circle around me. He says, I take my money and throw it in there. Whatever falls in the circle, I give to God. And whatever falls on the outside of the circle, that's what I keep. Third guy says, well, I, 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 I do something kind of similar. He says, I take my paycheck and I get it cashed. And he says, then I take it all and I throw it all up in the air. And whatever God wants, he'll keep. And whatever lands on the ground, I keep. Have you ever wondered how Americans spend their money? Have you ever thought about this? I read in an article in Time magazine, this is how the average American spends their money. Listen to this. This is every single day, based on Time magazine article. Every single day, 7,500 LCD Samsung TVs are bought. Every day, 3.9 million movie tickets are purchased. Every day, 1.683 songs are purchased off of iTunes. 1.65 rentals every day from Netflix. Every single day, 978,030 bags of Orville Redenbacher's Gourmet Popcorn are purchased. 568,764 Titleist golf balls are purchased every single day in America. 443,650 large french fries at Burger King are purchased every day. 190,968 bottles of absolute vodka are purchased every I'm just reading this off of Time magazine. Every day. 60 Ford Mustangs are purchased every single day off of eBay. That tells us what's important. To us in America, right? What's even more sobering is Pew Research. They asked uh, high school graduates between the ages of 18 and 25 to list their goals in life. And this is what they said. Number one goal in life, be rich. 81% said be rich. 51% said be famous. 30% said help people in need. 22% said, I want to be a leader in my community. 
less than 10% said, listed any goals concerning anything to do with church or giving back. Now, where do you think they're forming their outlook? How do you view giving? For a lot of people, they, they view it as a burden, an obstacle. Some view it even as a punishment. Even when I mention the word giving or stewardship, you go, man, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable even mentioning that. I know what some of you guys are thinking right now. Oh, boy, here we go again. Another lesson on giving. That's all the church talks about is giving. That's not quite true. We do this one time a year. But I will agree with you this. It's not easy giving away your hard-earned money, right? Well, it's not just the non-givers that may need a little tweaking in their attitude. Sometimes the givers also. Prayerfully this morning, we will be transformed into from an attitude of giving grudgingly to an attitude of giving generous, generously. Now, how do we do that? The Bible says that we should give out of grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, I mean, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not for yourselves, it is a gift from God. But what is grace? Grace is God's undeserved love for you and God's undeserved love for me. We reject his authority. We rebel against his commands. We refuse his will. But yet, God still loves us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, still sinners, still living in rebellion, it says that Christ died for us. Someone once defined grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Think about this. Jesus Christ left the perfect place. He came to an imperfect world, lived a perfect life, took all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, took them to the cross. Jesus Christ paid it all. Aren't you glad that Christ paid it all? But Christ given is one thing. Christ received is another. I'm convinced of this. We receive Christ. We receive grace. God's undeserved love for us. It will change our perspective on everything that we do. Let me be clear. When we truly understand, when we truly discover when we truly experience God's grace, His unconditional love for each one of us, we will have a desire to give. So this morning I want to share with you three truths that will prayerfully kind of tweak your attitude towards giving. The first truth is this. Choose to give in spite of circumstances. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. 
And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. There's that word again, grace of God. Has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty, welled up rich generosity. Now, this passage is concerning two different groups. The first group of people are poor, persecuted, brand new believers in Jerusalem. Now, why are they poor and persecuted? Because they're new believers. They're new believers in Jerusalem. You see, when you choose to follow Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, it came with a high cost. You lost your job. You lost your home. You lost your savings account. You lost your 401k, your 403b, whatever. You lost it all. The second group of people were the Macedonian believers. Now, they were going through a very, very difficult time too. But they chose to support these new believers in Jerusalem generously. Look at verse 2. It said, very severe trial, extreme poverty, but yet overflowing joy and rich generosity. There's no computer could ever analyze this amazing formula. You have very severe trial, then you have extreme poverty. But when you add God's grace... His undeserved love for you, you will have overflowing joy and rich generosity. When you experience the grace of God, you will never ever use your circumstances as an excuse not to give. Now this is a true story. It's not meant to be funny, but it's a true story. It's, it's a story of Dr. Peter Marshall. And Dr. Peter Marshall, he was a former chaplain uh, of the U.S. Senate. And a man came to Dr. Marshall with a problem. And he says, Dr. Marshall, I have a problem. He says, I used to tithe. And, and, and now I'm having a very difficult tithing. He says, I used to make $20,000 a year. And it was easy for me to give $2,000 a year to the church. He said, but now I make $500,000 a year. And it's very difficult for me to give $50,000 to the church. Dr. Marshall looked at him. Reflected on, the, on his problem a little bit. And he goes, all I can do right now is I just want to pray for you. And he said, do you mind if I pray? And the guy says, I don't mind at all. So with boldness, Dr. Marshall prayed this prayer. He says, dear Lord, you can see that this man has a problem. And God, I pray that you help him with this problem. Would you please reduce his salary back to where he can afford to tithe? <laughs> True story. You might be able to relate to that. John D. Rockefeller said this, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I did not tithe my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. Now, wouldn't we all agree in this room, wouldn't we all agree that we're very, very blessed? Whether you make $1.50 a week or whether you make a half a million dollars a year, you're very, very, very blessed. This afternoon or one day this week, I would love for you to do me a favor. I want you to take a sheet of paper out and just, just make a line and go right down the middle. And on the left side, I want you to write down all the things that God has blessed you with. You may need several sheets of paper. And then on the right side, on the right column, I want you to write down all the things that you give back to God. 
And then I want you to make a decision. Are you going to be a conduit of God's gifts? Where you're going to receive and give? Or are you going to be a sponge of God's gifts? That's your decision. The second truth I want to share is choose. It's a choice. Choose. Choose to give joyfully. Choose to give joyfully. Verse 3 says, For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Now, this is the Macedonian believers. It says they gave as much as possible. They gave beyond their ability. They pleaded to give more. And they considered it a privilege to help out. This is an incredible church. I'm convinced of this. When we give ourselves to God, we'll have no problem giving our substance to God. When we give ourselves to God, we'll have no problem giving ourselves to others. Because I believe this. It's impossible to love God and ignore the needs of our neighbor. Giving people, they are not grumpy people. Think about it. Think about it. Giving people are not grumpy people. If you meet somebody who's grumpy, cantankerous, mean-spirited, chances are they've never experienced the joy, the grace of giving. Receiving without giving leads to spiritual stagnation. The old comparison between the, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is still true today. The Sea of Galilee is full of life because you have water coming in and water going out. The Dead Sea, in contrast, nothing lives in the Dead Sea because water comes in but nothing goes out. Same thing is true for us. When we receive and we give, we're healthy. When we receive and we don't give, it leads to spiritual stagnation. Now, when we're filled with God's overflowing joy, it allows us to give in four different ways. The first way is that it allows us to give generously. The Macedonian believers, they gave way beyond their ability. They begged to give more. They considered a privilege but yet they were facing difficult economic times. They were scraping the bottom of the barrel just to break even. And then they find out their kids need braces. Their car breaks down. They get unexpected doctor bills, but they never use tough times as an excuse not to give. I've discovered this. I've discovered it's a whole lot easier to give something that you don't have than it is to give something that you do have. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but we probably all would. Have you ever thought this? Man, if only I had a million dollars, then I would, then I'd give. Hmm. Or, or if only I made this much money, then I would start tithing. Did you know the average American takes 12% of their income, 12% of their income, and, and, and spends it on leisure activities? But yet, the average American spends less than 1% on anything spiritual whatsoever. If you're waiting on a convenient time to give, guess what? You're never going to give. 
When you're filled with God's overflowing joy, it will allow you to give, number two, expectantly. Look at verse 6 in chapter 9. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now, we don't give with the idea that we're going to get something back from God, some kind of uh, heavenly bribery. But the Bible is very, very clear that generosity brings great blessings. For an Old Testament example, all you have to do is look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. That's the only place in the Bible that God said, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. In the New Testament, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will give unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I'm not saying that when you give, you're going to receive your blessings and money. In fact, you probably won't. But again, Scripture says that generosity brings great blessings. When you're filled with God's overflowing joy, it allows you to give, number three, willingly. Now, God's more interested in your attitude than your money. If you look at verse 12, it says, For if the willingness is there... Your gift is acceptable to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Did you get that? It says, according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. When God looks at your giving, he's not impressed with the amount. He looks at the amount that you have left over in proportion to what you've given. Verse 7 in chapter 9 says, Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under pressure. I want to relieve a little bit of guilt here this morning. If you are giving under pressure, don't ever give again. Because when you give under pressure, Scripture is very, very clear, that's not the type of giving God wants. You've heard this said so many times. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. Let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, part of our stewardship emphasis, we gave our children here in the church three envelopes. And one of the envelopes said save. Y'all have seen this, right? And one of the envelopes said spend. And then the last envelope said give. Give or share. Well, a little boy comes up to me, an elementary-aged kid comes up to me, and he says, uh, uh, Pastor Scott, here's my envelopes. Would you please give this to the church? And uh, I, got, I got all three envelopes, and I got down on my knees, and I, and I tried to explain to him, this envelope is to, to spend. You can spend this money, and this envelope is to, to save, put this up. And then this envelope is to share. You want to give this to the church. So let me just take this envelope, and, and then, and then you, take, you keep the other two. He looked at me little kid looked at me and said, no, you don't understand. I want to give all three of my envelopes to Jesus. What an incredible attitude. 
what would our church look like if we had that same attitude? Now, we'll tell you, our offering went up a total of 21 cents that day. You don't give for a budget deficit. Just don't do that. God says give to the church whether the church needs it or not. You see, when you give, it's not for the church's benefit. Do you know whose benefit it's for? It's for your benefit. Have you ever gone to McDonald's and bought your child a large order of French fries? Have you ever done this? Yes, I did. Yes, you have. I have too. I have too. And then you take your order and you go sit down at the table and you start to eat. And then you reach over and you try to grab one of those kids, one of your child's French fries, right? Have y'all done this? Just me. Okay, I have done this. And I reach over and try to grab one of those fries and what happens? They hit your hand and they say, keep your hands off my fries. And I look at them and say, and I'm thinking this, I don't say it, you little snot. Hey, I bought you those fries. Technically, they're my fries. In fact, technically, I own you. I'm never going to buy you another fry as long as you live. But before you get mad at your kids, think about this. God owns it all. And when he asks for a tithe and you say no, that's the same thing as you figuratively slapping his hand and saying, keep your hands off my money. When you're filled with God's overflowing joy, it will, you, will allow you to give for cheerfully. Look at verse 7, the second part of verse 7 in chapter 9. And you know this verse, God loves a cheerful giver. You know the Greek word cheerful is where we get our word hilarious. You see, when the, when the New Testament church, when they gave, man, it was hilarious. When we give, it's the low point of our service. If you cannot give with an attitude of cheer, don't give. Because God's not going to give you credit for that. Suppose you, uh, you're offered a job in, let's say, France. And the job that you're offered is only for six months. So you fly over to France and you lease an apartment for six months. Now there's one stipulation of this job that you've accepted. You cannot take anything back with you to your permanent home. Okay? But you can, but you can send as much money back to your permanent home as, as you'd like to. Now would you do this? Would you go out and buy some expensive furniture some expensive paintings, some expensive furniture for your temporary residence. No, you wouldn't. In fact, you'd live as modest as you could in your temporary residence, and you would send as much money back home to your permanent residence as you could, wouldn't you? Yeah. Can I tell you something? This is not your permanent home. This, this is your, your temporary residence. And can I tell you something else? It's fun. It's actually fun to send your treasures ahead of you to heaven. The Bible says this. It is more blessed to, to what is it? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
right? This means yes. This means no. It's more blessed to, to, to give than receive, right? Yes. Think about it. It is absolutely fun to give away your money. You're like, what are you talking about? Think about it. I love to go on vacation. What am I doing? I'm spending money. I love to see the movies, so I go spend my money to go see a movie. I obviously love to eat. I spend money going to dinners. I've got two children. I love to spend money on our two children. In fact, my wife is buying things right now for Christmas, and it's fun for her to do that. What am I saying here? It's fun to give away your money. About 30 years ago, 29 and a half years ago, I was dating my wife, my then girlfriend, and I decided that I wanted to marry her. When I was around her, my little heart went pitter-patter. It did. And so I decided that I was going to ask her to marry me. So what I did is I saved up my money and saved up my money and saved up my money. I go to the jewelry store. I find out something that I didn't realize. Man, those rings, man, they are very, 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 very expensive. And I was very, 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 very broke. That's not a good combination to have. So I pick out a ring. I had some money. I realized very quickly I didn't have enough. So I asked the jeweler, would you please hold this for me? And here's all my money. And so I gave him the money, and then I go back, and I save, and I save, and I save, and I save. Finally, I have enough money to buy my future wife a ring. So I go to the jewelry store. Man, I'm, 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 can you imagine? I can remember like yesterday. I was so, the greatest thing ever. I was so excited. I go to the jewelry store, and I, I give him the rest of the money, and he, and he gives me a ring. And he puts it in a little box for me. And I take that ring and I put it in my pocket. I was so thrilled. Then the whole time I'm dreaming about how I can ask my wife to marry me. Something that's going to be special. Something she can tell her children and grandchildren about. Something that would wow her. I thought about, I'm going to rent a plane. During a Carolina football game, I'm going to have Tracy, will you marry me? I was going to be like on, a, on the big, uh, big scoreboards or whatever, the Videotron. I was going to have Tracy, I mean, will you marry me? It was, going to be, it was going to be utterly the best thing you've ever seen in your life. I see Tracy that afternoon. I still have the ring in my pocket. I'm around her. It was burning a hole in my pocket. I reach in my pocket. I pull out that ring. I said, Trace, will you marry me? I didn't even ask her father for permission. You see something? This is the point. When you love somebody, and you really love somebody, you're going to give. Now, I know you love your spouse, and I know you love your children, but can I tell you something? Jesus Christ loves you infinite times more than that. When you love, you will give. 
The third truth is understand that when we give, it's an opportunity to be like Jesus. Look at verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that through his poverty you might become rich. 1 John chapter 3 verse 16 through 18 it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. There's no greater opportunity in the world to be like Jesus than when we give. If I could be anybody, if I could be like anybody, I want to be like Jesus Christ. If you ask me who I want my children to be like without reservation, I'm going to say I want my children to be like Jesus Christ. If you ask me what I want our church to look like, I'm going to say I want our church to look like Jesus Christ, to have a heart like his to have a, a passion for the things that he's passionate about, to be involved in the things that he's involved in, to be concerned about the things that he is concerned about. When you give, you can be like him. Mother Teresa, she was going to Australia, and while she was in Australia, they assigned her basically an assistant or a gopher. Well, this guy was so excited about being around Mother Teresa, what he could learn from her and just sit and talk with her. Well, very, very quickly, he became very frustrated because although he was around her, he really never got to speak to her and, 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 and talk to her. Well, she was leaving Australia, and she was going to fly out to New Guinea the next morning. The guy goes up to Mother Teresa and said, Mother Teresa, if I purchase a plane ticket... Can I sit with you on the plane so this way we can just talk and I can learn from you? And she said, do you have money for a plane ticket? He goes, yes. He said, well, take that money and give it to the poor because you'll learn more from doing that than you'll ever learn from me. At the end of the day, God is not interested in your money. He's interested in what it represents. 
and that's your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, above all else. Anything that you can do, above everything that you can do, above all else, guard your heart. For everything that you do, everything that you do flows from it. Think about this. God derives great joy in giving. Giving us salvation free of charge. Giving us forgiveness of our sins. Giving us the Holy Spirit. Giving us this incredible family called Northside. Giving us blessing after blessing after blessing. Far more blessings than we ever deserve. If you want to be like him, you're going to give. And you're going to give generously. You're going to give hilariously. And you're going to give cheerfully. Shortly after World War II, Europe began picking up the pieces. And the old country was literally just laying in ruins. One of the saddest sights that you could ever see was the little orphaned children that were starving in the streets. One day this American soldier was headed back to the barracks and he sees this little boy and he had his face pressed up against a pastry shop. So he pulls his Jeep behind the boy, he gets out of his Jeep, he walks over to this little boy, and he noticed the baker in there was making piping hot donuts. And he was placing these donuts in the window rack. The little boy could just smell these donuts, and he just lets out a sigh. Well, the soldier's heart went out to this little boy. And he looked at the little boy, and he said, son, would you like a donut? Little boy said, oh, I certainly would. I'd, I'd love to have a donut. So he goes in there, and he buys the little boy a dozen donuts. And he places them in a bag. And he walks outside, and he says, son, here you go. Then he walks away to get back in his Jeep, and the little boy runs behind him. He grabs his coat, starts pulling on it. The little boy said, sir, are you God? You see... We are never more like him than when we give. For God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Father God, thank you for your presence. Father God, thank you for the joy that we can come and worship you freely. Father, thank you for your hope and your peace, your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, because only through him that we can have eternal life. Father God, thank you for showing us the example of how to give. And Father God, you gave us the perfect gift. And Father God, I know that in a, in a group this large, there may be people in here that says, I, I, I'm not 
really sure about this grace that you're talking about, this undeserved love. I don't deserve anything from God. That's, that's the whole beauty of it. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us freely. So if you're here this morning and you feel Jesus Christ tugging at your heart and you want to pray and surrender your life to Him, it's pretty simple. All you have to do is pray this simple prayer silently. Father God, I know I'm a sinner. The Bible's clear. We all fall short of God's glory. Forgive me my sins. I never want to do them again. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, took away my sins. Father, we buried him three days later. But we believe in a risen Savior. Father God, come into my heart, come into my life. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.